Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 90 and I'm talking with Renee Washington. And I was fortunate enough to be able to head downtown Indianapolis and sit across the table from her and the communications director, Susan Hazard, for this conversation. Renee went to Spelman College, then Georgetown Law School, where she practiced law in Washington, D.C. for nine years. She then moved to Indianapolis, and she was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. But while she was doing that, she got very involved in community boards and public service. She was very involved in the Junior League. And she eventually started working for Northrop Grumman in their IT sector. Not long after that, Max Siegel, the CEO of USA Track and Field, asked her to come on board as the COO. And she's been in this role for over five years. This was a great conversation with Renee where she really talks about women in leadership and what her job looks like at USA Track and Field and what they do as a governing body of the sport. Before we get started talking with Renee, I want to thank Generation UCAN for supporting this podcast. Generation UCAN powders and bars are powered by a super starch that give you a slow release carbohydrate without a crash. They're easy on the stomach and they are powered by a super starch that is the secret sauce in all of their products. You can try UCAN samples for under $5 plus free shipping if you just go to generationucan.com slash samples. Save an extra 15% by using the promo code ANOTHERALLCAPS. Hey, if you guys are loving the show, I would appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And I'm just going to look up the most recent review right now. Susie2414 says, so happy to have found Lindsay's podcast. I'm currently dealing with a hip stress fracture injury and her and her guests approach to running have helped to keep my head up and listen to my body to help it heal. Love all that you do. Thank you, Susie. I really appreciate that. Hey, you guys go be like Susie and leave a rating and review on the show. I would really appreciate it. If you guys are looking for more content from me, you can find bonus episodes with returning guests and episodes with my husband as well, and the live show that we recorded in September. That's all on my Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com slash you'll immediately get access to, I think it's like 15 bonus episodes by now, and I'm recording a new one this weekend with Kim Hoban, who has been on this podcast before. All right, you guys, enjoy my conversation with Renee. Welcome, everybody. I'm super excited. We are sitting down with Renee Washington, the COO of USA Track and Field, and Susan Hazard, the Director of Communications. Thank you, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Downtown Indianapolis. It's very exciting. Welcome. So, who watched the marathon, the New York City Marathon this weekend? Well, we, USA Track and Field, played a part in the marathon in that it is one of our over 8,000 sanctioned events. We were very excited to be part of the festivities, the week-long festivities, uh, which included our um, 2017 Hall of Fame um, gala, which was Thursday evening in the Armory. And I'm happy to report that not only was it a successful evening, but the chair of the gala is Susan Hazard. That's another hat that she wears. She did a fabulous job. Uh, and, of course, we were all excited by, our, by the winner and the fact that a woman had not won that race in 40 years. Oh, my gosh. Just an exciting finish. Yeah, and I didn't know, you know, we're talking about Shalane Flanagan, who won the New York City Marathon. I didn't know what shape she was in. Like, I knew she had that stress fracture, and she was out for Boston. And so, you know, I knew she was towing the line, but I obviously didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on in her head, but she's the kind of runner that she's going to try to win. Right, and it's truly a testament to her just stubbornness and yeah. and just ability to focus and, and really get past an injury that happened early in the year. She yeah. drops out of Boston, she dropped out of U.S. Championships, didn't make the world team, and then comes back and wins you know, a race that a, a U.S. woman hadn't won in 40 years. So Shalane's just amazing. Well, yeah, and I mean, she's done so many other things in her career, and that's what they kept talking about on the news um, on ESPN, I think Carrie Tolson was, mm-hmm. was one of the people, and they were saying she's done all these things, but she hasn't won a major marathon yet, so this is huge, and she's 36. Right. So a, a great testament to her and her just, you know, tenaciousness. Yeah. 
Um, we were watching it. We were streaming it from the playroom. We put. I have three kids. We put the baby down to bed, and the little two, older two, were running around, and we watched the entire marathon. <laughs> and when she started breaking away, I mean, she seriously looked so much stronger than those other two women. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was just interesting to see her fitness and her level of fitness. Where you know, people were questioning. How's she going to do it? Is she going to just kind of lay back and wait? Is she going to take a big lead? But she really was strategic and, and hung on until the last few miles and, and just really ran a strong, strong finish. Man, I was live tweeting it, though, as was USA Track and Field. Yes. And the women started out so slow. Like, you know, relatively speaking. They went through the half in 116. 30 or something, and I'm just, I mean, for Mary Katani and those women, that's like kind of a hobby jog a little bit. It's like a 130, you know, a 232 full, so I wonder if that worked to her advantage, that slower start. I think probably. Yeah. You know, just kind of taking a little bit easy, you know, not pushing early, certainly, um, I'm sure was part of her strategy. So, okay, so I told you I was tweeting up a storm, so who's holding the Twitter handle for USA Track and Field then? Well, we have several people that hold the Twitter Twitter handle here. Susan? <laughs> so we, we have a team of folks. On Susan holds it. I hold it, a team of folks with our communications and entertainment properties um, group. So we really have a group approach to social media where we really spread out the voice, but mm-hmm. we all have the same strategy and the same voice. So it's really great in terms of just the volume of things that we can put out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. One person. Mm-hmm. So as the chief operating officer, I find what she said so very interesting because she said we speak with the same voice, and they do in the end. But the internal debate about that one voice is indeed very interesting. And in terms of um, the business decision that's made as to which route you pick, uh, we, 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 I enjoy our, our very healthy, healthy internal discussions about it. Well, I was looking back through the tweets um, from the marathon, and whoever it was was someone with, like, a funny personality because they were tweeting some funny gifs, and, was, like, when they were excited that Shalane was breaking away, and I was just thinking, I wonder who that is. And, you guys, I don't know if you know this, but you guys tweeted out my podcast the other day. We did. Yeah, did you know that? Or did you yeah, do that? They, Did you do it? By design. By design. Oh, look at that strategy. (laughs) And we really do try to promote across the board everyone Uh who's involved in the sport. We try to get stories out there, podcasts out there Uh like yours, so that our fans can really get a full scope of of information. Yeah, I appreciated that. And that was one of my favorite interviews, Courtney Frerichs. She was awesome. Um, Okay, so Renee, you've been with USA Track and Field for five years. Five plus years, yes. Five plus. Mm -hmm. When did you start? Uh, June of 1st, 2012. Okay, so give me like a rundown of your career before landing here. So I am going to say that uh, I have had um, um, a rather interesting career or an interesting approach to getting here, but I actually find that when I tell the story, it's not different from many other women. Um, Spelman, undergrad, Georgetown Law School, lived in D.C. for several years working for the Department of Labor, Nothing related to sport or track and field or anything like that. Um, lived there for five years. Um, moved to Indianapolis because my husband's from here. Had a baby right before I moved here. Um, worked a little bit at U.S. I'm sorry, Attorney General's office, the, the state Attorney General's office. Another not-for-profit for five years, and hit a situation in which my caregiver for my daughter. Uh, decided she needed to make a change. Mm-hmm. So your trusted caregiver makes a change, and what do you do? And in this case, I decided that I would actually take the step of to become a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. So I did that, uh, happy on one hand, not so happy on the other hand, uh, and it was a struggle. And I did that for a good 10 years. Wow. Um, and at the time when she was in high school, I thought, I'll start now. Take me three or four years to find a job. Three months later, I had a job. Uh, Northrop Grumman, uh, the global defense company, I actually was able to do it from here, which turned into something that I did from home. Um, and because of a relationship that I had with the newly hired CEO of USA Track and Field, he thought we'd work well together. He gave me this opportunity, and it has been an opportunity of a lifetime. So I guess my big question is this, because I find that very interesting, and a lot of my listeners will too. Um, I'm technically a stay-at-home parent with this podcast and some other things I'm doing. I'm kind of working my way into kind of more of a full-time job. Sure. 
How did you feel, what did you do to stay relative or relevant well, while you were home? So, great question, because the first thing I did was I let go of the guilt mm -hmm. because I had it. And I told myself, and this is true, that unless I was sick, I was never going to take a nap because I was afraid, I don't know why I just made it up, that nap would lead into a nap, which lead into a nap, and I would be depressed. This is what I thought in my own mind. Mm -hmm. So I decided I would be active, become active in the community. There was one organization in particular that I was invited into when I first moved to town, the Lynx Incorporated, and it's all over the country. And based on that relationship, there was an introduction made to the Junior League of Indianapolis. Sort of a long story, we ended up working together on a fundraiser, the two organizations, along with a third, which was the opening of the Nordstrom store downtown. And anyway, that led to me becoming a member, being asked to be a member of the Junior League of Indianapolis. And that was the key for me. Mm -hmm. I took the opportunity to um, use the organization or use what was provided to me by the organization to better myself, to keep myself relevant. Um, and it, all, in, all in giving back to the community at the same time. But that's what really did it for me. And so it's funny because when I finally, I, you know, she was in high school. I had the first interview at Northrop Grumman, and it was with a woman. And she asked me, well, what have you been doing all this time? And I said, you know what? I have been looking for ways to improve myself and to, um, to, get to, to make sure that I'm trained, make sure other women are trained to impact my community. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't even know what the Junior League was. And I didn't mention the Junior League by name, but that led to another conversation, another conversation that led to a second interview, and eventually I was hired. Um, and so that is what I did, and I, I find, and when I talk to young w women now, everybody has their journey. It's their own individual journey. I recently received an award um, last month, I guess, in New York, and I was interviewed about the award in August when we were all in London for World Championships. And I had a set of questions in advance, and he asked me, and he asked me when he talked to me, you know, you put down something about your life and what you you choose to, that this is your lifestyle for you. I personally don't understand why you work so much and why that's, and I said, it's because you had a different choice. I'm not going to even say it's because you're a man. I'm simply going to say it's because you as an individual had a different choice and your life looked looks a certain way. Mine looked and will look a different way. And so I learned that I needed to accept it make the most of the time, and then hope for, work toward whatever it is I wanted it to look like. And that's what I've done. Because you never had the thought, like, I'm going to stay home and that's going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my Never life. crossed my mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I never, to be fair, if a person makes that choice, that's theirs to make. And I do believe in that, that that's theirs to make. Uh, but to be clear, I had parents who were always in my ear saying, and you went to law school, and what are you doing with this degree? So I always had that pressure. And when I say the guilt, that guilt was real because, you know, they were kind, but they still asked the question, mm -hmm. what are you doing, what are you doing? And so for the 10 years, uh, I hope I served my community well. Um, but I know that for me, what I got out of it was uh, rewarding a, a different sense of self. I felt as though I was doing something worthy, worthy of my education, my degrees, my my contribution to society, uh, my society at the time, that, that my community was Indianapolis. And that's what I chose to do. And I, I think hopefully it made a difference, but certainly um, I benefited from it. I know well, that. I hope that a lot of people listening find the power in that because I think there are a lot of moms who yes. decide to stay home. Yes. And they think it's People think it's career or home, career or yeah. home. And there's nothing that says, like, you can't stay home for five years or ten years right. and then figure out what you want to do. But it is important to stay relevant right. while you do that if you want to go back. Yes. And also to to create relationships where you can, but certainly hold on to them. I mean, that is how that I, I knew our CEO based on things that had happened during that time as I was volunteering. And he knew, he well, he knew, obviously, I was a lawyer, as he's a lawyer. Uh, he, he knew some other things about the things that I'd done in the community, and he knew what he didn't need at USA Track and Field. He didn't need another person who knew everything there was to know about running or, or field. He knew that he needed someone who had a certain sense of how to run a business and had had that exposure. And that's why I was hired. It wasn't about being able to 
tell you how to run a marathon or how to throw a shot put. It was about how this organization as a business needed to function and what we needed to do to, to, to change the culture here. I have to ask, though, do you run? Um, no, I don't run. I walk. Yeah, okay. Yes, right. Um, so what sparked your interest in the job as someone who wasn't into running? Well, I never, ever, ever thought that the job was about running or just track and field. I understood that it's one of the now 50, then it was 47, national governing bodies that run the Olympic sports in the country. So ours happens to be track and field. So whether this had been USA Gymnastics, skiing, tennis, the, it, the, the point of this is, is that this is a business, and this needs to run like a business. And certainly I appreciate the sport and our athletes, um, but my interest was about being able to make a difference on, and in this, on this platform, but in that way. Mm-hmm. That was my contribution. Now, here in Indianapolis, we've got USA Track and Field, USA Gymnastics. What else? Is there anything else here? U- USA Diving, okay. uh, which used to be in the building, but now it's moved a little bit further north. USA Football, and that is it for now. Okay. Um, which I think that's so cool to have right here in our city. So they've been here since the early 80s. Uh, I believe it was part of the effort to bring the amateur, to make Indianapolis the amateur sports capital of the world before my time here. Um, our, our CEO was actually a young lawyer who worked at a law firm that helped to handle that. So that's how we know the story very well because he tells it often. Um, and we actually had rowing here. Um, and we actually had synchronized swimming when I first came to town. Rowing was here, I believe, in the early days, but certainly synchronized swimming just left um, last year, actually. So it is very interesting. Um, most of the, the national governing bodies are located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, and that's where the USFC headquarters is. And a few of the other ones, like rowing is now on the East Coast, uh, a few others are spread out in different places, but for the most part, it's a Colorado Springs um, you know, kind of place. But we obviously communicate all the time. We have meetings. We go to Colorado Springs. They come here, that kind of thing. So we were talking earlier about how it's special and something that you guys are part of, that you guys have women in leadership here and and a lot of diversity. Can you talk on that a little bit? Yes. I am proud to say that um, of the now 50 uh, NGBs, uh, we, USA Track and Field, are at the forefront of um, the hiring practices for women uh, and also of a diverse um, workplace. When you go, well, when I go to the council meetings, they, I probably, they're not 10 women in that room. Mm-hmm. Probably, really, the last count, it was six, the last meeting that I went to. Out of how many? Um, out of probably two per 100, maybe a hundred, maybe 110 people. Yeah. Wow. So, and of the people that look like me in terms of um, racial diversity, um, they're probably three. Wow. Maybe there's four if there's a president, of a volunteer president who might be attending. So, um, but the USFC has been very um, vocal about um, their need to diversify and have encouraged and have actually, I think, um, if they haven't issued the report, they will issue the 2016 report, and they certainly issued a report last year in terms of um, the diversity uh, accomplishments of NGBs. While, and I'm very happy and very pleased to be at the forefront, we still have a long way to go in terms of our committees understand our structure. While I have 72 employees that work for USA Track and Field, there's a large volunteer base in this NGB and in all the other NGBs. Of course, they're not as large necessarily as USA Track and Field, but they all vary. And so on our committee level and the committee members, while they are volunteers and they're subject matter experts, they do have a lot of influence uh, within the sport and with what happens with USA Track and Field those numbers are not um, as um, positive. We have a bit more of a challenge to make those numbers better. We have a diversity and leadership um, inclusion committee, um, and I've been in frequent conversation with that chair, shared with him the recent report from the USFC, and our point is is that we, in our, on our committee levels, need to bring the successes that we found with the diversity of um, in gender, diversity in race, which, of course, only makes your diversity of thought much better. It's only going to make your organization better. We're bringing that down to the committee level. 
Um, and so uh, hopefully with our in our officials, with our, well, coaches are sort of a different kind of um, group, but with our official uh, officials in our associations with other with youth committees with other committees that we have the point is to encourage them to bring more people into the conversation to make us a stronger usa track and field have you found that as an african-american woman in leadership are there different hurdles that you've had to you know jump through to to be find success you know, I don't think necessarily so within the within USA Track and Field. I mean, I just faced it. I was asked to the to be the COO by the CEO, who's also African American, but it also was a personal request because that is the one job that he selects in that manner, mm-hmm. or or she selects in that manner, whoever's sitting in that seat. So I, I haven't found it from that standpoint. I have a very strong personality, so it might be a little hard for me to also recognize it sometimes um, <laughs> because I I I don't. Um, you know, I may recognize it, but I probably wouldn't tolerate it. So, yeah. um, but I have to save that on the international um, front. You are going to see less women, especially, and it's not so much um, ethnic diversity, but it's more less women um, on the international front. And of course, there, there. You may not realize this, but our international governing body has more than two hundred and fifteen countries that are, make up this body, and most of them that are on that sit on our council are men. Uh, we're, I am pleased to say that our past board chair is now our International um, Federation's council member. Uh, and so that is an African-American female. Um, and that is wonderful for the United States to be represented by, by, by a person of her um, talent, skill level. She's a former Olympian, Stephanie Hightower. Um, and so while I don't, I haven't necessarily faced it uh, in terms of a challenge, I know of other women that have ch- that have that face those challenges on an interna- in the, internationally, and we, as the United States, are part of a working group to work with women to um, make a difference and to make a change. As a matter of fact, um, the person Stephanie Hightower is now the chair of the Gender Equity. Um, Council for the IAAF, and she asked me to join. And they just had a meeting in Bahrain that I was not able to attend. Just last, well, week before last, yeah, the week before last. Um, and I will be the next meeting in March in um, Birmingham in the United Kingdom. Um, but they are make our 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 IF. That's a mouthful. But our international federation is making strides towards balancing um, the off field playing field for women in terms of the business of the sport. It's interesting that you said that um, you're, you kind of feel like your personality wouldn't stand for having to jump through those hurdles. And, and that's, I mean, that's a testament to the kind of person that you are. Well, uh, you know, I appreciate that. I don't know that I will always win, but I, I um, you know, it. it's, let's just say that... <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to say what someone said about me because someone said as a compliment, she's got blood running through her veins and it's going to need somebody <laughs> like that to run something, something, yeah. something. And it was meant as a compliment to me to say they need a person like that one, you, Renee, to do that. Well, I don't, I'm sitting here right now. I wouldn't want to backtalk you. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so I have a question about mm-hmm. um, athletes. Um, so USA Track and Field is sponsored by Nike. Tell me about your relationship with athletes who are sponsored by New Balance or Sockamy and how that, you know, because so, things kind of blow up during so, Olympic years. you know what, I'm going to let Susan talk to her, but I'm going to start off by saying that Nike is one of our 12 or 13 current sponsors. Okay. And we are so very privileged to have a long-term sponsor like Nike who loves the sport and it was willing to make sure that this organization had economic security for a very long time. As you know, it's a 23-year contract, and I'm, it's rumored at many millions of dollars. Yeah. And so we're very fortunate to have that. But we're, we are also fortunate to have a sponsor like Nike who recognizes that athletes are at the heart of what we do. And that the athlete should have every opportunity they can to compete, to train, um, and to make money. Um, and so we do fun things like have other meets that are sponsored by running companies. Um, we, of course, 
invite other running companies to our hospitality when we're having trials, for instance, because of course it's all of the athletes. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you're Nike sponsored or not or not. I mean, we have a team of 137 or 140, depending on the given year, and all are important, and we want medals from all of them. Um, Susan, am I, am I leaving anything out in terms of how we react to? No, I, it's it's a great question, but I, I do think that um, it's about performance, and for us, it's all about performance and what you're doing on the track or in the throwing circle or wherever it is. For instance, our gala was just last week, and we had athletes from every shoe company represented and it was really neat to see them dressed up but they were wearing their shoe company's particular product and many of the companies created special shoes for their athletes and McCoburn had a special shoe I believe Queen Harrison had a special shoe so it was really neat that that they were able to do that and and many of our partners were there. So that you understand, our gala is my favorite because it's black. I come. It's black tie and sneakers. <laughs> How do I get invited? We'll make sure you're invited next year. But black tie and sneakers—that's the best that's of so all fun. worlds. Yeah. And so, so that's what made that part special. And of course, it was in the New Balance Armory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have a great relationship, a long-standing relationship. USA Track and Field does with the Armory, uh, and even a new relationship we're having in terms of some support we're going to do with a youth program that we recently announced. But the bottom line on is is that um, yes we one of our 12 sponsors happens to be Nike but that's not the end of the story at all yeah um, well and I asked that question as like um, an athlete and recreational athlete mm-hmm. who sees the people talking here and people talking there and I'm like what are people going to want to hear you guys address and so it's I really wanted to hear what you guys had to say about that that piece well it is um uh, a wonderful sport, and we welcome the opportunity in any way we can uh, to welcome any sponsor. And we uh, recognize and we're thrilled to engage every single shoe company in any way that we can. And we're happy for our athletes, um, and we try to do as much as we can to promote them. And it's not just Nike athletes, it's all of our athletes. Hey guys, real quickly before we continue the conversation with Renee, I want to thank Zappos for supporting this podcast. Everybody knows that Zappos is known for their awesome customer service, their fast and free shipping. Well, now they have a running specific site and it's everyone's first choice for shoes, clothing, and accessories with over 1,000 trusted brand names like Nike, Adidas, Brooks, Asics, and New Balance. Not only are they selling these products on their site, they're also offering great content. Specifically, they've created great content for customers who enjoy activities that are dependent on shoes like running. You guys go over to zappos.com slash running to check that out. Links to that will be in the show notes. All right, you guys, let's continue my conversation with Renee and Susan. Now, speaking of that, you mentioned some other events that you guys do. Tell me about... I mean, because I think people think USA Track and Field, and they think, like, when there's a big world championship or the New York City Marathon, but, like, you guys are doing so many other things. Can you speak on that a little bit? We can, and I was going to show you um, through, and, of course, this is all audio, but... I know, I wish um, people could see this room that we're in. And I actually want to show you the office because we have parts of our mission statement uh, around, and that's uh, our belief statement, that athletic achievement moves us all in the back wall. But... um, and our, our um, statement that you'll see, and you'll see it on my office door, is that we build lifelong connections to the sport. Uh, and we do that in, in many different ways, and it's our charge as a national governing body to do just that on every level. So we have a youth um, segment of our population. We have, um, I mentioned coaches, I mentioned officials. We also have... Um, associations. So basically we have smaller USA track and fields in all of the states. There are 57 of them total. So there's a couple states, large ones, have larger associations. But they are those um, volunteers that live in those states that bring, that make track and field live in their particular locales. They have championships on every level from the youth to masters and anything in between. Um, And they do positive things in their various communities to promote the sport of track and field. Um, And so when people think of us, they often think of just simply our elite athletes and that once every, you know, so often kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But we are constantly 
as an org, as an entire organization working to promote the sport. Um, I mentioned that the New York City Marathon was one of the over 8,000 events that we sanction per year. So we do. The, the marathon here in Indianapolis oh, has I was, passed. I was wondering that. We sanction that event. Okay. And we say, as again, there are over 8,000 across the country that we sanction. Um, we are a, a, alive and well um, in communities. And most recently, we've in the last maybe three years, three, three and a half years, we've developed a couple of new programs um, to reach our youth population in special ways. One is from, through our Hershey um, sponsorship, which is another one of the 13 that we have. Um, we developed a program called Run, Jump, Throw. Uh, and the idea being that running, jumping, and throwing is the foundation of all sport. And so we have a curriculum, curriculum that was developed for um, youth, and we take that um, around the country to help promote movement. We partnered with, and, and Susan was an um, instrument, instrumental team member of the Let's Move campaign with Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we were part of that effort. We are continuing that. We did a couple of things in Indianapolis this past year. Uh, we were at the Juvenile Detention Center, uh, and we actually brought in former uh, well, Olympians and athletes, but I think they were all medalists, mm-hmm. um, to talk to. have It was an outreach kind of afternoon. Um, to talk to um, those in that center. We've done, I believe, three in Indianapolis in 2017, and there's one scheduled uh, at a school in 18 so far. But we do it across the country. So every time our athletes, our elite athletes, are at outdoor championships or if they go over to, they were in London for world championships, Mm -hmm. they had a run, jump, throw. They They do it somewhere in the U.K. They've done it in Japan. They did something in Rio. So we bring it wherever it is, whether it be domestically, or um, internationally. And then we do a little bit of a different sort of program in which we just focus, not related to an event, but we focus on going to different places in the uh, United States. We bring in a couple of athletes and we have, a, we have, for whatever entity wants to have, this run, jump, throw experience. We also just um, launched last year, 16 was the first year, seven, we piloted a youth camp. So the first one was here at the University of Indianapolis, Track and Field Focus. The second one was this past summer in 17 in Colorado Springs at the Chula Vista training facility, Olympic training facility, and that was a cross-country camp. Um, And we are now expanding the cross-country camp to two uh, in 2018, another one at Chula Vista, and the other one at Lake Placid at the training facility there. So we are looking for as many ways as possible and always are open to um, suggestions to to bring awareness to our sport and to bring our sport to um, to everyone. So you've traveled a lot. Yes, I with have. This job. I have. Sounds amazing. Yes, and it worked out for me. Yeah. Because my daughter was at first in college and then in now she's in grad school, and so that worked for me as a mom who decided, you know, I was free to do that. So yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were in London. I was. Did you happen to see the steeplechase with Courtney Freyrex and Emma? Sitting in the audience. How, like, I... So beyond exciting. Yeah. Yes. Tell me what it was like to see that happen. Just amazing. And I was lucky, fortunate to be with our block of tickets because we get the block of tickets and those kind of events for people and then we distribute them. So we were with all friendly faces. Everybody is excited mm-hmm. as we were to see it. And it was just one of those... Moments And just so you know, we, our high-performance director, Duffy Mahoney, who's been here 28 years, has a cheat sheet. So he sends the text messages or tells us ahead of time of what we should win tonight. So we, we knew in advance in London what we should win, what's definite, what's a promise. But And so he would say, and he said, now this is a potential another medal. People don't think, people don't think. He said and that about Courtney? Well, yes. He said it about the steeplechase. About the steeplechase yeah. in general. And we could get one or two. And we one could get two. one or two of that. Yeah. Yes. And so... It was just very exciting. And the only bad part about it is the delay in the stadium because then when you win and everybody's at the same time texting, it becomes this nightmare. <laughs> oh, sure. So, but as it always happens, Susan um, always has on the ready for Max the, te- the, phone, the cell numbers of the winners. So she made sure that he had it in advance and so he could respond. But anyway, it's just, it was just a fun night. And the whole entire experience was mm-hmm. just phenomenal. So he was probably saying... 
thinking Emma was probably going to be the medalist because then we were all, Courtney kind of all like surprised us. Sure. Not that we didn't think she was capable, but certainly kind of came out of nowhere. And I think she felt the same way about that. Yeah. But just an amazing moment for us as a team. And, yeah. and certainly, you know, for, for those of us just cheering on the team, yeah. you know, it's yeah. such a big moment, especially during the medal ceremony when the flags are up there mm. and you hear the national anthem. It's just such an amazing, you know, moment of patriotism and just, you it's really a great, great moment for us and, you know, certainly for our athletes, but the support staff, our medical staff, our, our yes. team managers, you know, all the folks that travel with the team and do the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. It's and just a like really special think, moment. Yeah. You know, like, and actually, there's a – so the team was, what, 137 this past year, 138. The total – Group 250. Okay. I mean, so we have a lot of support staff to to help make all this happen. And, and so that's why the thrilled. athletes on TV. We're just looking right. at the athletes. Right, but it's a whole that. lot of support. So yeah. everybody oh, was thrilled. That's amazing. What's your favorite place you've got to travel to on the job? Either of you. Um, well, I've, I've only been here six and a half years. So, I, I mean, five and a half years. So I would say that she probably has more travel experience, even though I've, if you would not believe how many miles I've racked up so far. Okay, so Susan and I, I guess we both agree that Monaco is our favorite place. Yes. Yeah. So our International Federation is based in Monaco, and so we often get to go to Monaco. And, of course, that experience is um, exciting. I actually love London. I believe that even though I'd been to London before I took the job, my first Olympics as USA Jack and Field was in London. And from that perspective, that was magical. Um, and, of course, what happens, you know, in 2017, we get to World Championships in this, the same stadium, and it's just as magical. So mm. um, I do love that. And um, it's, uh, but it's fun. It's rewarding. It's fun. I say to people, I don't do it as much anymore, but I did used to pinch myself. This is my job, yeah. and I am so very fortunate. Um, and um, great people, you know, great experiences, um, and uh, almost great food at almost every place. Almost. <laughs> almost. That's important. <laughs> almost. Um, so you said you went to Monaco. So did you get to see Molly Ludlow do run her 800-meter PR? No. Actually, the only time I've been is for... Um, when Dr. Dennis was was receiving an award for the gala, so I haven't been to a meet there, and I okay. don't know that. So, Doctor, no, I haven't been to a meet. Our Dr. Evie Dennis is who she's referring to. She's an emeritus board, member of our board of directors now, and she was one of the founding members of USA Track and Field. She received an award a few years ago since I've been here um, in uh, at a, a gala that the international that our international federation had. Um, and I actually probably was there at the same time, but I probably left because we have meetings there. I have not been to an event there, but um, I, um, of course, we know about the Diamond League events, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me who are some of your favorite athletes to watch out and to watch compete? There's really no, I'm sorry, Renee, there's, there's no. no one favorite. We have, you know, I, I tell folks all the time, we're very fortunate to have just an incredible group of young people top to bottom. Um, you know, I love watching everybody compete because especially something like the Olympic trials where you see people reach their dreams Mm -hmm. because, you know, as you know, our Olympic trials are much more competitive than anywhere else in the world. Um, so it's just, you know, as Renee said, it's, you know, I've been here 17 and a half years and sometimes I do pinch myself that this is really my job. Um, but we have a great group of athletes who really get it. Yeah. So, and I would say the same, that I don't have, I don't have one favorite, but I love to go to the team meetings. So I'm fortunate enough to go to team meetings when they have them before World Championships or, you know, Rio, however. And when you see the group of men and women that have been selected to represent the United States on the field of um, the track and field or athletics, um, and to get to talk to them, to watch them interact, to ask, to watch them listening, and to, to watch their reactions to information, some of whom are veterans, some of whom are not. Um, I, I find that, um, I find it interesting, I find it amazing, and it just makes me so proud. Um, I mean, we do everything from basics of 
you know, I guess by that time they know where they're going to eat or they're going to know, but basics of the, what you're going to do when you get to the track and but also when you win how are you going to hold that flag yeah and you guys have is, people showing the after oh we have a whole full video. video of the whole thing <laughs> and of what to do and what not to do and um it's just very exciting and you know the thing about when i and you probably did see some of the instagram at least post the thing about london that was so exciting you know not all athletes can go or will go the, the, a night of, maybe it's before their competition the next morning. So not everybody's at the track at the same time. But to watch the group of athletes this year, this past summer, in London, in the actual t- team hotel, watching the events, that was so very exciting. And so we did a lot of tweeting or Instagramming mm-hmm. or something, whatever, social media, <laughs> media post to show the excitement um, and the fact that they all supported each other. Yeah. So it was very cool. That's awesome. Now, it's funny because I've interviewed a few Canadian athletes, and they always talk about how their Olympic selection process is so much different than ours. Yes. And that they wish it was like ours. Yes. Because it's just so much more cut and dry. Top three, you go. Right. No, ours is actually a competitive process. The day of, you you make the standard to, to be able to be in the trials. And if you have a good day, you have a good day. And if you don't have a good day, you don't go. Yeah. 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 Um, what's your favorite thing about an Olympic year? I don't know. I just think it's the excitement of pr- the preparation of it all. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's, I mean, the trials are certainly amazing. Yes. Because it's the hardest team to make. Yeah. 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 And the countries, everybody's waiting, the country's behind you, and you're just, that is just, yeah. I don't know if it's um, the older I get, but the Olympics get more exciting to me every time they come. I don't know if we pay closer attention now because of social media or what it is, but do you, I mean, do you guys feel that out of the community? Well, I would say I think there's much more of an, an awareness than, for me, than there used to be, I think, at one point. But, you know, I think about my daughter, um, who's now in her 20s, and uh, she was just so very excited. She's always been excited about the Olympics, so I don't know. I think it's more accessible. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's it. Because when I was little, I mean, I definitely remember, like, running around the house, watching the gymnasts and, mm-hmm. you know, the track athletes. And now your children can take your phone wherever you are, go to NBC Gold, and there you go. You're I know. watching. I know. It's yes. crazy. Yes. Um, okay, so we mentioned the Junior League. Yes. And I want to talk about that for a minute because it's funny that I I always call myself out for my judging judgments of, of other people and things, but I've always kind of pictured the Junior League as this, like, thing that rich kids did when they got out of college, and it's just, like, this kind of, like, oh, I'm going to support and mm-hmm. be in the, you know, keep up with everybody. Mm-hmm. Tell me your take. So I'm going to say that uh, <laughs> that's probably fair, but that you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, our, first of all, our mission is to promote volunteerism to promote volunteerism, develop the potential of women, and to improve the community through the effective action and leadership of trained volunteers. So we train women to go out into the community that you live in to make it better. When I joined the Junior League, which is a very long time ago, I was trying to remember when. I I think it was 94, 95, somewhere in that period of time. As I said, I joined because I was asked to join because I was in a different organization. And I did think that Junior League people didn't really look like me um, and that it was for people who didn't work. Now, at the time, I didn't work, so I guess I met that bill. But I thought that it wasn't the truth. That simply might have been at one time, but it simply was not the facts in the 1990s, and it's certainly not the way it is today. Um, I was the... I worked full-time when I was, and I, by the way, I had a long career in the Junior League. I, I took advantage of all of the opportunities, as many as I could, to serve in committees. I had several leadership roles, including a past president of the league and including a past um, tri-chair of the Holiday Mart, which is happening um, in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. But um, I, um, the, those perceptions are not, just simply not, the real-life Junior League. It's just simply not true. Um, And, you know, while if you look at numbers and maybe uh, if you do counting, maybe not that many of them look like me, but you know what? You now know me, and you're you're friendly enough with me. And so you just have to reach out to other people and ask them and to join and to be part of the 
um, to be part of that community. It's an open community, um, and um, it's all about what you are doing for our community. And and the and you're trained in terms of how to do it, the right way to do it. I always say, I've always said it. You know, you need. Can I tell you how to run a meeting, please? Because if your your meeting is running, you know, two hours or whatever, you probably don't know how to run the meeting. Mm-hmm. In the junior league, they've taught you how to run a meeting. Oh, that's you know what good. I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it's from everything from uh, skill, skills related to community activities or community events or things happening in the community and how to evaluate mm-hmm. that to financial development um, activities, which Holiday Mart is part of it. But it, it's much more than that. So. Uh, let me give my plug for the Junior League of Indianapolis. Just go to jlnd.org, find out more information, um, and um, figure out what it's about. Yeah, why do we have this misconception? Because I'm probably not the only person that has this misconception. Well, you know what? It, it's it's just judging it based on what happened in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And we totally. just have to let that go. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. it wasn't going to look, of course it was going to look a certain way in 1920 or 1930 or 1940. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't mean that that's how it's defined. It just simply means that that's what was happening at that time. Yeah, and I mean, you're really talking about, like, giving yourself opportunity by putting yourself in that Abs- position. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. building a network. Absolutely. Too. And building those relationships, which are key. Yeah, I mean, and that's something, we've talked about this already in the podcast, or in the, the interview, but, I mean, honestly, when I made, the, I made the decision to stay home when my oldest was born, and I did feel a little bit lost, like, where do I go, what do I do? Sure. And then as I kept having more babies, I was thinking, I got to get plugged in somewhere. Sure. And I launched this podcast, and it's connected me and with all these people and had all these wonderful relationships. But being involved in something like that, whether I'm doing this or not, would be yeah. It's just another good. avenue for you to find success. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel like um, people on the podcast know that I'm such an advocate of indie. We have national listeners, but I do talk about my city a lot. We are talking to people, there are junior leagues everywhere, obviously. Yes, absolutely. Um, and in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I am going to check it out. And I, I make proclamations like this on the podcast a lot where I'm like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go to that. So I challenge you to go to our largest fundraiser of the year, which okay. is Holiday Mart, which okay. is November 16th through the 19th okay. uh, at the uh, State Fairgrounds, Indiana State Fairgrounds. Okay. Um, they We all have over 200 vendors many of whom are local, that get you really excited about the holiday season. As I said, I was a past tri-cheer that year. We had three cheers. Uh, One of my favorite fundraising activities. The Junior League, um, through that um, yearly, it's the 47th annual Holiday Mart, Um, but through that they're able to to raise over $100,000 for different community projects as well as the other giving that the Junior League does. So um, go online. You can get tickets online um, at... J-L-I, well, J-L-I-N-D-Y, J-L-N-D dot org, um, and make that your first junior league okay. opportunity. How well, about I'm going to go with my friend Sarah Holsapple. Well, good. She's been on this podcast, so we'll Okay, go that's with great. Her. That's terrific. And then see what you think. Okay. Yeah. Um, one more question. Where does the money go that junior league raises? To different community organizations. Okay. It's all detailed on their uh, on the website. Okay. Um, but they support the activity. And as a matter of fact, it's probably on the website, but certainly in our directory that we get, and we used to, it probably is electronic now. And now, now I'm now a sustainer, so I'm not an yeah. active member anymore but uh, we list all of our community projects from our inception and we're in year number 90 and I should know this because I was just in a recent video about it but anyway (laughs) we are we are been around I think 97 98 years now in the Indianapolis community and so we've listed all of our major community um, um, sponsors Um, so we're very pleased with that Okay, so I get the feeling that you work a lot, but what do you like to do when you're not working? Um, well, you know, travel is part of what I do for work, right? But So that's a benefit of it. I like to read. Um, I used to play tennis a lot, but I don't get a chance to do much of that. I bike ride when I can, and I try to make sure that I exercise because I was much better at it before, um, you know, the full-time job. Yeah. Um, and... Um, Oh, I have to watch my Game of Thrones. Are you Game of that, Thrones? Or, oh, yes, okay. but I can't watch it in real time. I have to had to wait till the season ended because, you know, there, I have to binge because I can't wait. And also, there might be something that I didn't hear and I needed to see or hear again, and I have to be able to rewind 
and then watch. Oh, totally. So I did it in two days this season. My husband's a Game of Thrones guy. I, I don't watch it with him, though. Really? I just can't. But I know so many, everybody's on the train except for me. I'm yeah. the only one left behind. Oh, me. well. What's the best, most recent book you've read? So I am right now reading uh, A Column of Fire, Ken Follett. Okay. Um, I just started when I left New York, uh, when I was on the plane. I don't have as much time as I used to in terms of reading. But I'm so obsessed with all of his books that a friend, I have two different book clubs, and they're not official book clubs, they're just people that we call yep. the book clubs. And uh, a friend of mine sent me a text and said, it's out. And so I was about to leave to run an errand. That errand then included a bookstore. So I had it for about two weeks, walking around with it in my briefcase or my case with my computer bag. Uh, and it's this thick, and I love it. Uh, so that is the book that I'm reading now, and I've loved his past. And tell books. me what it's called again. It's called A Column of Fire. And is he the one Pinfall- that wrote Pursuit, um, Pillars, of, Pillars the of the Earth? And the yes. And then he had another series after that. Anyway, he's written several books. It's much, many more fast, but yes. My most favorite book of all times, though, I was t- I was telling Susan earlier, John Steinbeck, East of Eden. Oh, somebody was talking about that recently. Okay, page 300, if, if the book is in the same format. Okay, you got to read it. Okay. Just go to 300, 301, that's like my page. Really? Oh, yeah. What's it about? Uh, in a nutshell. Too much? Life. Life. It's, it's, okay. hard, it's hard to say what it is. It's, a, it's about life. I don't know. It just taught me a lot about life. I'll just say that. Okay. Well, so, you know what somebody was saying was, do you reread books? I do. Okay. I do not. Because I'm like, there's so many I want to read, but no. I won't reread. That's one that you would reread. And I just told her, didn't I just tell you that we should we both reread that? Mm-hmm. And there is a character in it. I don't want to give too much away, but there's one character in it. The name is Kate. And I always refer to Kate. And when I'm not going to say about Kate, but I'll say, did you ever read East of Eden? Because that person is Kate. Oh. I'll do it all the time. <laughs> did you ever read... That person is Kate. I gotta so, read it. Yes, you do. And that's what I, the I asked you if you reread because the person that was talking about this to me the other day said that's the only book they've ever re- reread. Yes, no, and I don't reread all the time, but that's certainly worth it. And um, I read Crime and Punishment a couple times, and so you have to remember you you start on some of these things. Erica, when I was in high school, then I was like, there's value, there's value. Okay, you look at me, but anyway. It's English East, major. East, I read everything. Yes, so East of Eden. <laughs> East of Eden okay. is, is my all-time favorite. And do read it. Okay, you, I will. It, it, it'll, it, at first, you, it'll just take you a second. Okay. And, but then you won't be able to put it down. And I was reading, that was back the back when, you know, I was, when I first read it, I was picking up my daughter, you know, you waiting and you doing these different things. Okay, I would be at a stoplight. Now they talk about texting. I'd be at a stoplight <laughs> with the book open, and I said, "Oh wait, it's it's green." Yeah. Need to go. Yeah. Um, well, I do actually have a book club with this podcast. Oh. We read a book every month. Do you? Yeah. Yes. Um, so what are we reading now? Well, we're reading the book called uh, "You Are a Badass." Oh. By Jen Sincero, and actually it was, rec- I, I'm probably saying her last name wrong, but it was recommended by Emily Enfeld, Courtney Freyricks, and Shelby mm. Houlihan, that whole crowd. Uh-huh. Okay. I just started it, I'm on chapter three, so I'm not going to say I love it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be good. I think more than anything, it'll be good positive reinforcement to how you think about things and how you think about your success in life. Sure. Um, but we just got done reading How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald. Uh-huh. Which is a book. Do you guys know that book? No, I don't know. It's a book on um, the mental side of the sport. Sure. Of not just running, but any endurance sport. sport. Mm -hmm. And actually, I just, um, I was telling Susan, I just did the Monumental Marathon. Yes. And I used that, so many pieces from that book, mentally, when I was not feeling so hot (laughs) in the race. And you made it through. Made it through. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what... Is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, that is a, you know, I haven't done yet or I don't, I don't even know if it's possible to do. I would love to stop my job in place for a week, which <laughs> you can tell that I don't think that I can do. Um, and I'd love to get advice from a slew of either past COOs or CEOs or people with professional insight. And I'd like to t- be able to talk to them about what I do and get their advice. Wow. And I, I think that would be the coolest thing. Now, let me tell you, the hardest part of, of it is the first part that I said, to stop my job in place <laughs> for me to, to let go of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't let go of it for any. I mean, it could be 
2 o'clock in the morning, I'll get up and I'll look at an email just to see, and then I'll answer it. So, um, But I think that would be... Um, I, I just think that I would get a lot of value out of that. So as you can tell, I probably am a person, or I am a person, who seeks advice whenever I can get it. And it's not so much that I'll ask a question or ask the advice, but I know it when I hear it. And so I try to listen to as much as I can because I recognize that. I, I recognize the value and the insight that other people have in their experiences. And I can't have all of the experiences in the world, but I can certainly learn from as much of it as mm-hmm. I can. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever someone tells me something like that, like again, if I, I like, do I write it down? Do I just try to remember it? Like, how do I absorb all of this? You know. You know what I do? If I don't, I try to write it down. But if I don't have that, I have the notes section of my phone, mm-hmm. and I just start making notes. And the other thing that I do, because I don't have a lot of time, I remember the days when. What I was in high school and the whatever magazine was out, and I'd go through it two or three times before I let it go and before I thought <laughs> I was done. Even though I flipped every page, I would go, okay. And so now, of course, I certainly, I don't even know when I've had that kind of time and when most people have that kind of time um, outside of those years. But what I do is I rip things out of magazines now all the time. And you may notice that in my purse I have the stuff folded, <laughs> and I fold it like this. So that I'll know, and then I'll, you know, this will be the side, but if it's folded the other way, then that's it. And then I'll know what I'm doing, and then now I just, whenever t- I have time, if I'm on a plane or from my office for a second, if I'm at home or whatever, just for a second, I go Google it or look up the site or go do something, and that's what I do now. And then you pitch the paper. And then I pitch the paper. I have to be done with it at some point because if not, it's, it's a mess. But the point is, is that... I don't lose it. I mean, I hope that I don't lose it. I try to retain it by by getting it at the time that I can and then going back when I have time because I recognize that I can't do everything at the same time. So you're one of those people that sleeps with your phone by your bed, and if you wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of you check your email. Yeah, actually, it's not <laughs> right by my head. It's a little further over, but I know it. I know sounds. I sleep with, with this uh, Fitbit on, and that's going to give me a text message. Um, and it isn't necessarily going to tell me emails, but of course if I get up, and even if I don't go to the bathroom, if I just wake up, I'll go check the email. Especially <laughs> if I know that it's something important, and I do, they're known. If I can't sleep, they've known to be getting a couple of blistering emails. They were like, oh, well, she couldn't sleep in the middle of the night. And they're not all blistering, but the point is, is that I just, it's, what, it's amazing to me what comes to my mind, and I'm sure to everybody's mind, when you have the time to, even though I'm not supposed to be time to time, but you're focusing on things, and so things will pop. Let's like it popped for you last week mm-hmm. about furniture for our green room for our <laughs> Hall of Fame uh, in the middle of the night as she tells me about it at 7 a.m. when I'm on the plane and she's waking up thinking about it. It happens to all of us. It does. So just take that advantage. And I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. And I don't make excuses for it. I mean, I don't, I, it's just who I am. Yeah. And that's and I, who I choose to be and what I choose to do. And I get to make that choice. That's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really good point because some people can't function like that and some right. people can. Right. And you thrive like that. Yes. I think it, I do that sometimes too if I'm like taking one of my boys back to bed yes. for the 19th time sure. in the middle of the night, right. um, I will lay with them for a minute and I'll start thinking of all this podcast-related sure. stuff, and I'm like, I need to go write that down before sure. I fall back asleep. Right, yeah, and you do, and it's fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? Oh, um, it's what I tell everybody. Always look at the moon. Mm-hmm. Don't ever miss the opportunity to look at the moon. And, you know, out of that, is it, it's simple, but it's... People take things for granted, and you just have to make the most out of every opportunity. And don't ever take anything for granted. Um, you just, I mean, you know, nothing's guaranteed. Um, so that's essentially it. That's great. Well, you guys, this was so fun to get to know you guys. It has been Thank fun. You. And to learn more about USA Track and Field. Yes. As this recreational athlete that I am and living in the city that yes. USA Track and Field is and actually headquartered. And you're part of our sport, so we welcome you anytime. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, guys. Thank you. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Renee and Susan, for joining me on this episode. Thank you to USA Track and Field for welcoming me into your offices. You guys, don't forget to check out our sponsors, Generation You Can. GenerationYouCan.com slash another. Use the promo code another, all caps, to get 15% off your next order. And head over to Zappos and check out their new running site, Zappos.com slash running. Links to all that will be in the show show notes. Hey, follow me on Instagram to stay up to date on all things podcast and everything else going on. 
lindsayhine626. And you can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine as well as Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We also have a Facebook group where we are doing a book club. The book we're reading is called You Are a Badass. That is the book for the month of November. All right, you guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.